Today's episode of Two Not So Rad Dads is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Studio Headphones, baby. Studio. Yeah, use code DVR to get a 15% discount at studio.com. All the info is in the show notes. Just click the link and head over. Studio's Neo, the new adaptive dual microphone Bluetooth headsets are amazing. You can so use, good. They're so good, dude. We're going to be using them on every podcast as soon as we get them from now on. We're going to do a review. They're coming in the mail, but we wanted to get this ad up there to tell you to go to studio.com, okay, and use code DVR to get 15% off. They're only 79 bucks, JD. 79 That's such a deal. Yeah. And, it and offer, you get 15% off of that. You get 15% off of that. Um, interchangeable wingtips. Uh, like I said, dual microphone technology, IPX4 splash-proof protection so you can keep playing whether you're in the gym or caught in the rain. Can you shower with them? You could shower with them, baby. Beautiful. The rain is the shower. Beautiful. That's just the inside rain. <laughs> it's studio.com. Head over to studio.com. Use code DVR and get 15% off today. Yes. You're listening to Two Not So Recording Rad Dads, in progress. a weekly podcast about two dads. Oh, wait, hold on. You have to start again because for some reason, Zoom said recording in progress. Sorry, buddy. Man, that was such a good... I was trying to catch it right at the end of that conversation. It. But maybe all this will get in there. Yo! You're listening to Two Not So Rad Dads, a weekly podcast about two dads who live on the same block and all the shit they deal with on a daily basis. We're going to talk about our kids... We're going to talk to Andy. He's on a farm. And we're going to have a great time today. We're going to get our hands deep in some mine soil. And at the same time, we're in a garage. <laughs> Smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> we messed that one up so bad. And that's what happens when you don't look at the Google Doc again yes. for the fourth episode yeah, in a row. Four in a row, yeah. Well, this is episode 16 of... Two not so rad dads. Yeah, baby, and we are here. I am Billy, and this, of course, is JD. And we have a great guest today. His name is Andy. You may have heard him if you are a fan of the DVR Podcast Network on many a podcast. And we're going to talk about raising a kid on a farm because that's yeah. where Andy lives. So, Andy, say hi. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, it's uh, I'm glad to be here. This uh, should be fun. I'm always. Uh, always like to talk about i know most people that have heard me before know that i'm a farmer but i always like to talk about it because not many people really have any connection to farming anymore so it's yeah. i know it's a unique perspective i think i looked it up and one percent of the u.s population now farms so wow. i'm i just uh, i don't know even i don't even know what to say uh let's have fun <laughs> yeah wow. we'll definitely have that i would love to talk a bit, a bit about that small percentage and yeah. uh, just because we just ripped out all the bushes in our front yard we just left a beautiful lace leaf japanese maple and a dogwood tree in our front yard and filled it with garden beds and mm-hmm. so we've got five four foot by eight foot cedar beds that I made, and we're starting to plant some food. This pandemic, we realized that we had no food growing on the property, and we made a move for it. And man, it's like so much work, but so gratifying. I could only imagine when it's like an actual farm, what that feeling is like. Well, and it's uh, it's hard to explain because like we don't do a lot of most of the stuff that we farm is corn and soybeans. 
Okay. And almost all of all the almost all the corn goes to ethanol production. Mm-hmm. We've got three or three very large ethanol plants within about 50 miles of here. And the rest of it goes to livestock. We're also there's also a huge, huge hog population in this county. We're like in the top 10 counties in the country for hog production. Wow. So a lot of our stuff will also a lot of the beans will go to that and some to biodiesel as well. So it's I don't have, we don't do a lot of like regular I mean we do like for our regular little house gardens like what you're talking about mm-hmm. where we have strawberries and potatoes and tomatoes and st- different various herbs and things like that but most of the stuff is like mass mark ma- like we see field of dreams like that kind that movie is not i know axel won't watch baseball movies which we i shamed him about that a while ago too. i've seen field of dreams <laughs> still hasn't watched of their own which is right. sad how but do you not watch yes every, it, every a lot young of boy looks, watches that movie i know <laughs> Oh, you cut out there. I didn't hear. I couldn't hear I, you. Oh, I said every young boy watches that movie, Field of Dreams. Yes. It's their coming of age. So, like, that's that, that, uh, where that movie was or takes place is only a couple of hours away drive from where I am. So, a lot okay. of it looks similar to that, but the actual production and actual how it actually works is nothing like that, if that makes sense. So, yeah. we've got a lot of those big fields. I think when I, uh, when I was doing some quick math to like to give you guys an idea, the, the amount of land, land that we farm is about roughly two and a half times the size of Central Park in New York City. Like for for the, the area. Wow, dude. So, I mean, we rent most of We don't own most of that. Most of it we rent, like 70 or 80% of it we rent. I mean, if we owned that much okay. money, I'd be I'd be able to fund Axel's podcast for years. Because <laughs> the margin farming are extremely tight unless you own all your own land. So, uh, but that's so like this. What we're talking about is on a massive scale of right. it's all it's close to two thousand acres is what we what we farm. We just finished planting here about three or four weeks ago. So it's a it's a very different idea. And we're not even a large farm in this area. We're pro- we're probably middle farm size. It's me and my dad that farm. So it's a family farm, and we've been. My farm or my family has been in it for close to a hundred years of different generations of farming. So it's, it's a, I don't know. It's, I don't basically just ask anything you want because I'll, right. I'll try to explain as we go. Yeah. So let's, and as, a, as uh, regards to my son, Luke, who is four. So he's obviously that's still that same age where he wants to do everything I do right. and follows me around. So he wants to know everything about farming and wants to just live on the farm and everything else. So, that is awesome. That well, is yeah, awesome, we should yeah. we should start off because we got right into it. First off, we want to say that we actually have a sponsor this week, Studio Headphones. We're getting some more headphones. We're going to have an ad. We're going to record it after. We'll pop it in here, but we want to give a shout out. We didn't talk about what we were smoking this week. Are you smoking anything, JD? Oh, dude, yes, I am. I don't know if it was a good idea because I yesterday I got my second vaccine shot and I am yeah. so tired. But oh, buddy. I uh, I actually broke that Mark Lamy bong that Mark uh, made me, oh. and so it like cracked at fur. I like I screwed up the glass on glass stem and cracked it and then i was trying to clean it and i just snapped it right in half so i gotta reach out to him and get another one so i've just been smoking out of this old pipe this not this old pipe of this beautiful pipe that he made me a couple years ago but just smoking my homegrown stuff you know nice yeah nice. all right well i have been smoking some stuff called ewok Ooh. in honor of star wars because there's so many different strains out here named after people and we won't ask andy because it's not legal in his state but it is not. And I, I am not right now, but I, it's been a long time since I've had smoked anything quite a few years. But, yeah, it's not legal here. So it's also 
It's just Minnesota's very strange state. It's, it's part of it is extremely liberal. The other part is yeah. extremely conservative. So it's it's a constant tug of war and the politics here. You can't even buy full alcohol on Sundays in this state. Wow. wow. So it's and you know what it's, the it's, weird it's, thing is cr- crazy. Andy, the weird thing is in some states and some areas like that, it's actually the conservative people that get behind legalization because they see a profitability to it. And mm-hmm. they also see the government shouldn't control things, you know, that's a lot of, so, that's a lot of what that is around here. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a crazy, like it's Vermont a weird something. It's interesting. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, okay, cool. So we got those things out of the way. So we are going to talk, talk about farming. Is there anything else you wanted to talk? Did we forget anything else just before we kind of get into everything? Well, maybe we should bring up the, um, all nighter that our boys had. Is oh yeah. This is a about? fun one. <laughs> We'll do just a quick chat because you'll like this too, yeah. Andy. And maybe you can give our, your two cents. On, I knew, I knew there was going to be a. You got in the last one you guys did. I listened to most of it, and I knew you had mentioned there was going to be a big sleepover yes. coming. So yes. right. I'm right. guessing that's what this is going to refer to. Yeah. Thank you, JD. I don't know if you can call it a sleepover. Yeah, I don't know if you could call it a sleepover either. (laughs) So it was here at our house, right here in this garage. You're looking at the area where they were sleeping over my shoulder. Uh, People, I'm recording this video. If we ever use it again, we'll see. Maybe we'll put it on the Facebook. But um, the three boys came over. So my son, Lachlan, he's eight. Xander is seven, right? Mm -hmm. Nico is five, right? Yep. And um, they all were here. They all came in the tent. They got here at five o'clock. Yeah, I, you got to talk about that. You sent up, a, you set a tent up yeah, that's in right. the middle of the garage, which say. is so cool. So I got a great tent for a wedding gift uh, from Timmy and Bill. Shout out to them in Savannah. And they gave us this great, like Eddie Bauer, huge, nice, big, like six, seven person tent. So I've periodically set that up in the backyard, the tiny backyard we have. So it's funny that we're talking about like farming and land and living in nature. I literally put the tent in the garage and was opening up the garage door and it let some nature in. I was like, at least open up the thing here, guys. You're in a tent, you know? Um, But so I set the tent up. Lachlan immediately went in there and laid in there for like three hours in preparation for them coming. And every time I walked in, I was like, what are you doing? Watching YouTube? He's like, no, I'm getting ready. Like, how are you getting ready? He's like, I'm getting in the mood. And I was like, okay. All right, dude. He literally said that to me. I'm getting in the mood. Wow. Um, And a little foreplay before the, uh, the, the sleepover. And. So the kids got here at five. Perry picked up some uh, Costco pizza because this was their request. Um, They got here right into the tent. They ate the Costco pizza right back into the tent. They were in that tent from 530 until I don't know what time they fell asleep because I came in here about 15 times trying to do like a strong man dad act, you know, like boys i was even like kind of coming up with stuff before i came in i was like this is fun <laughs> scripting it you out. know I was, I was like i tried all these different parenting techniques right like one time i came in and i was like yeah guys i'm so tired can you please keep it down didn't work next time i came in angry hey guys come on keep it down okay then the next time i p- tried to plead with them guys please this is like the fifth time Okay, come on, keep it down. Finally, we got them at, I think it was three o'clock or 
something in the morning when they finally decided to at least be quiet was me just basically saying, hey, listen, guys, you're kind of insulting me at this point. You know, like, what kind of a dad am I that you won't even be quiet for me? <laughs> you know, like, and that got to them. <laughs> that shame. really got to them. Shame on them. They'll fall asleep. Exactly. The shame. Yeah. Worked. When in doubt, use a guilt trip, Axel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, I mean, that was like my mom's number one. So I don't know. It took me. That's probably why it was my last resort. Why didn't you just take the TV remote? Oh, it had nothing to do with TVs or switches. Oh, I thought they were. Anything. I thought they were watching. T- they told me they were watching YouTube and playing the Switch. Oh uh, no! So I, I figured I mean, that they. That's what just like kept driving them up. Oh, I took that stuff away. That oh, didn't okay. matter. They just wanted to laugh, and then oh, this was the thing. It was actually all Nico's fault. Your son Nico's fault. You know why, JD? Because when he gets really tired, he turns into a monster. Well, let me tell you, that has something to do with it. Yeah. He had all these tattoos that he had put all over his body of different animals. And whenever you touch one of those tattoos, even by accident, he became that animal. (laughs) 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 Who created that game? He's never played that one at home. He invented it. Who gave him that idea? He invented it. And so Lachlan was like, Dad, I kept on trying to get Nico to sleep, but then he'd touch his tattoo and become a jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if if Nico isn't like put to sleep and like in a calm, quiet area by like eight thirty, nine o'clock, there's yeah. you're you're not going to get him to sleep. Yeah. I know. Dude. Just, I knew I was. He's in like for too it. young. He's probably too young to handle a sleepover, and this is their first sleepover too. So I can imagine that they were just so fucking hyped. Yeah. But they were fucking zombies. Perry sent that picture of them all eating breakfast and both of my ki- children just had the look of death. Like yeah. they looked like they're just completely <laughs> pale and white and they are they had no life in their eyes. I think Nico's like holding his spoon and his his hand looks like it can't even hold the weight of the spoon and his mouth is all open. I mean they were just like uh and I was and me and Erica saw that picture and we were just like, oh, God, what happened? Like we knew right away these kids did not sleep at all. Yeah. And they came home. They weren't. I mean, we came home and it was fine or whatever. But, man, they were so tired. Nico slept till like 730 the next day and he never sleeps in that late. So no. it's just like those. They, yeah, they, they felt it for like three days. They had a great time. And they did. I don't think there's anything I could have done. And I knew that. And that's why. It was all an act, you know? Yeah. Well, the only way to get them to sleep at our house was for Erica to lay down with them. Yeah. I, and I way. tried that, too. I they, they were talking, 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 and I snuck into the room and then snuck into the um, tent, which, of course, at first, they all went crazy. A monster. Oh, my God. You right, know? And right. I had to, like, grab them and pretend. Then I said, okay, guys, we're going to rest. And I kind of laid down with them and just they relaxed and I kind of talked to him a little bit, you know, well, when I was a kid um, and then I kind of left and it was only about five minutes after that I did the whole like, hey, guys, come on. I mean, I laid down with you like you're being rude to me right now, like I'm feeling insulted here. Like, don't you like me, guys? <laughs> you know, and they felt bad and then they bought it and went to sleep, I think, kind of. But it was an experience and uh 
one that we'll have to wait a little while till we do again. <laughs> yes, that's what I told him. I was like, yeah. you, know, you guys know that if you just would have gone to bed by like 10 p.m., you guys could probably do this every weekend. And that's what we, I told them when they got here. Back and forth yep. every weekend. But yep. I was like, but since you didn't go to bed till like 2.15, 3 o'clock in the morning, you guys won't be doing this for a long time. Well, it's kids, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But overall, it was great fun, man. And it's just, you know, it was really, it was very meaningful to... Because we had just lost my stepfather, Bill, passed away. And Lot was Lachlan's kind of like only granddad that he really had. So I think it really meant a lot to him to have his buddies around him and to kind of feel the love. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And it was nice for us, too. It's great that you guys live on the block and we can do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was awesome for me yeah. and Erica because we went out to dinner yep. to celebrate our anniversary six years and had an amazing, f- amazing food at Padi. That's nice, baby. Bon. It was so good. Yeah, Padi. All right. And my bu- one of my best friends, Adam. Adam Yo, he was in town, so that was awesome. We rode. I rode mountain bikes in the morning and ate Padi at night. It was just like the perfect day. Nice. Perfect day. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. That's our little story. About the sleepover, let's start talking to Andy about living on a farm and having a kid on a farm. So, Andy, you gave us a little background. Yeah, sorry I dumped the gun there a little bit. I I was a little out of of sorts, so I'm okay. That happens on every podcast, and that's totally cool, man. Um, You know that. We kind of just want to make sure that someone's listening, they can get a good frame of reference. Yeah. So you are. So just give us a little background with as much detail as you want of where you live, what you do, you know, and then we can kind of use that as a baseline because it brings up stuff like I would interest like how far away are your neighbors? Could could you have a sleepover where a neighbor came or how, would they have to take a bus to get there or something, you know? So why don't yeah, you break okay. it down a little bit? Well, let's us. see. Well, our farm is kind of located where. Uh, if you know where Interstate 90 is, I mean, it goes all the way to the West Coast. It goes all the way to the East Coast. Where I live, I can see Interstate 90 from my house. So it's I'm about 10 miles from the Minnesota-Iowa border, mm. and it's about an hour and a half to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, if I go west. So I'm kind of and about two hours from Wisconsin. So I'm kind of in a three, four states right in my neighborhood that are all all kind of in that same area. So I thought Minnesota, um, I thought below Minnesota was Canada. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know something was, like that. I didn't know it was Iowa. That learning a lot today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, this will be very informative. It'll, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> the, uh, let me see. I've, I basically grew, I grew up here. I mean, well, I didn't, yeah, I grew up here, I guess. Um, I, I live about my wife and I and Luke live about a mile and a half away from the farmhouse I grew up in. When I was a kid, I wanted nothing to do with farming. When I was in high school, nothing to do with farming. I went to the Twin Cities to go to the University of Minnesota for a few years. Last thing I wanted to do was farm. Uh, while I was at the U, I got distracted by all the distractions at a giant university. Yeah. And after the first couple of years, I I was uh, struggling academically, not because I didn't understand the material, just because I didn't apply myself. Mm-hmm. And I called my dad up and was like, Dad, I need to leave school for a little while. Can I just come back and work for you for a year? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And so I did that. And then I – hold on a second. 
then after that, I I uh, left for a couple years again to go back to Mankato, which is a smaller town in Minnesota. It's a co- it's also a college town where I lived for a few years. And then I came back here about in 2000, and I have been here ever since, and I have since become a partner with my dad in the farming operation. So I've been became a full partner about 12 years ago and have been slowly buying my way into the business. Obviously, the amount of capital it takes to die into that business, unless you unless you inherit a ton, a ton of money or win a lottery or have family that does it, it's pretty much impossible to get into. Hmm. It's just the cost of startup costs is just unreal. That's part of why we, my wife is from the twin cities. So it was a huge culture shock for her when she came down here. That makes sense. Um, We had, we did raise hogs for quite a few years. We got out of that seven, eight years ago, probably. I didn't really have a passion for that at all. It's a lot of work and it's no holidays and, it's hard to find help. I mean, it's still hard to find help, but mm-hmm. now we just do corn and soybeans, which is like I said, it's close to 2000 acres, which it's usually about a month of month or so of planting in the spring, anywhere from one to three months in the fall harvesting. And the rest of the time is either doing things like book work or financial planning or selling your grain on the markets, which is di- basically just like the stock markets, but for corn and beans, a lot of people don't have any idea what that even is, but that's, so that farming is basically like 20 different jobs all rolled into one, which is another, that's a whole nother line of conversation. But I guess, I mean, that's kind of the basics of the the farming stuff. Anyways, Luke is about, our only son is about four years, just turned four a couple of months ago. So like I said, he's just getting to the point now where he's extremely active and mobile and doesn't stop asking questions and wants to go farm with dad all day long. It'll last about a half an hour, then he wants to go back home again, so he doesn't <laughs> quite have that stamina to handle that stuff yet. But right. just like any kid at that age is very curious and just, I think to my wife's dismay sometimes, I hate to say worship the ground I walk on, but that's kind of what he does. He follows me around and is basically a mini-me. If I'm building Lego, like Axel likes to do, he wants to build Lego. If I'm watching Captain America, he wants to watch Captain I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, so... Right. That's I mean, that's cool. the, that's kind of the basics. You guys, I guess, can just kind of pick my brain or go from there, when I guess. When did you – now, you can't – I can – when you came back home and you were working back on the farm with your dad, at what point or do you remember a moment or an incident where you began to appreciate it? Yeah, when did you fall back changed, in love with, with yeah. farming or what brought you Well, the, I still remember very vividly the – not exactly the point of completeness, but when I came back for that first tour after leaving the Twin Cities, I was staying home for the summer because I would come home and in a small town. I mean, a lot of small town stuff is not that much different than Days and Confused. I mean, that's kind of how that that's kind of how what I grew up with, where you're out hanging out, going to kegger parties, playing softball all day long in the weekend. I mean, it's a it's a fun time. And about halfway through that summer, I was I went to Saving Private Ryan with my parents. That was that summer. And after we got out of the movie, we went to dinner and I just said, look, I'm struggling in school. I say I don't want to come back to farm full time. I just want to come back and work and try and get my shit together in my head and just figure everything out. And after that first year that I was there, I didn't really I was like, oh, it was just a job. And then when I went back to Mankato for that two year stretch, that was when I realized it. Cause I went, I went back, I started working at a Best Buy and I worked at a Best Buy for, I don't know, a year and a half of that. And halfway through that time, I think I was sitting in the, I was, a I was one of the few people that could drive the big straight truck. So I got stuck on deliveries and 
since I was from the farm, hey, he can muscle TVs in the house and all that <laughs> horse shit. So there was one day where I was, I think, I, was, I think it was the day when I was delivering into an old, uh, somebody in an old uh, single wide trailer and we're taking a refrigerator out and I moved the old one or a washing machine. I moved the old one out and I step back and my foot falls through the floor because it had molded out because of the leaking wow. washing machine that had been leaking for, I don't know, however long. I didn't get hurt, but I'm like, do I really need to be putting up with this bullshit anymore? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? The farming thing actually, I got to, and it wasn't like I fell in love with it right away, but I'm like, I've got an opportunity here that most people are never, ever, ever going to get. I can go back and I like, can at least, it's worth me trying it out and seeing if I like it. Because if, if I say, because my dad's getting close to retirement age. And if I say, you know what, I have no interest in it, there's no chance of me ever getting back into it ever. Yeah. Right. So after that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give it a little more serious, serious shot and see what happens. And then I just kind of gradually started realizing, you know what, I like this lifestyle because I mean, like in the fall and the spring, it's a lot of hundred hour work weeks, or you can go three, four weeks in a row where you're working 15, 16 hour days. I mean, it gets exhausting, yeah, but, but then in the summertime, like right now, we've, we've got a little bit of crop maintenance, but it, uh, I can, if I want to go golfing or if I want to go out on the boat on the lake for at noon on a Thursday afternoon, I can do it. Or in the summer and the winter time when the weather gets really shitty and it's, you can get, I mean, it's 95 here today, but it's 20 below a lot in the winter. If I want to stay home, I can stay home. Or if, when Claire, my wife is teaching and Luke can't go to daycare or Luke is sick, I can watch him for that a week or something. I can stay at my, the, the flexibility of the schedule is what really, really drew me into it. Cause it, the sketch, the flight, like, I mean, heck, how many times have we recorded a podcast at two o'clock in the morning? I mean, yeah. we've done lots of that stuff. So it's, I love having the flexibility for me is what I really love about farming. The other stuff I like too, but the flexibility, there's no job I've ever had. That's like that. Yeah. yeah. It sounds to me, it's like freelance, but with guaranteed work. That's, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> and it, it, it actually is a lot like that because you also, and cause it, it like freelancer too, you're, you are still responsible for all the, I mean, like if I don't get the corn planted, Right. I mean, it's, it's all on me too. And it's not, so it's as much or as little as I want. If I don't go and work my ass off in the fall, I'm going to lose my ass. Right. So it's, but it, it's, so it, it is freelance to the, but within a certain set. So I know, like I know September, October, November, I can't plan for anything like that. I can't, it's like, it always bummed me out. Cause I'm also a big college football fan. Like you are JD. And okay. I was always a Gophers Gophers football season ticket holder. Oh, cool. Well, once I started farming, I had to give those up because all the big 10 games are right in the middle of corn harvest. Oh, that's it's not like, very I, smart I, of them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's just, it, so it, things like that, where I know in the fall or I've missed out on tons of bachelor parties and things like that, because well, they're going in October. Right. Well, I, I, so I know that that two, three month period, I pretty much can't, I, it's booked solid for the most part, but the yeah. flexibility of the rest of the year is just amazing. So it is a lot like freelancing. So maybe it's more like teaching. Well, I, you like cut this, out there. What was well, that? It's more like teaching where you, you, ha, you like, you always know you're going to have the summer off and you have your little months. Kind but of. You work, yeah. You work yeah. A little bit like that. That's a, even teaching though is a lot more structured than what I have. You know what so. it's like? It's like farming. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, like farming. Like farming. That's exactly right. That's, that's you know, I knew I knew it's one of those. That's kind of yeah. like something. It's kind of like something. I want the thing that interests me, Andy, is um, because when I think of farming, one of the things that attracts that I'm attracted to about the lifestyle and the idea 
is that there's not only a connection to the land, but a connection generationally to the land that you have worked with your family. And I think that this is something that, like you say, 1% of Americans are farmers, you know, which is almost equivalent to what I just reading this of the number of people that joined the military. So it is like a small group, but a group that people talk a lot about, right? And and has a national consciousness that is way larger than the actual number of people who are doing it. Yeah, that's that's part of why I like uh, when anybody wants to talk about it, like uh, Tim had me on, I don't know, a year or so ago and asked a lot of questions about farming as well. Anytime I I didn't realize how, I don't want to say it's a disconnect, but how little most people that aren't in a rural area know about. And honestly, a lot of people that are in my area don't know a lot about it. The ones that aren't farmers here don't know a lot about it. But when I I mentioned before, my wife from the Twin Cities and she comes from a very well-educated family. I mean, doctors, lawyers, but they're in Chicago and Minneapolis and all these other places. And the the little amount that they knew, I mean, just about my everyday, what I did, how I did things, what, what stuff entailed was, that was really an eye-opening thing to me is like, okay, people that are extremely intelligent have no idea what's yeah. going. I mean, yeah, that's, there's stuff in the news about it all the time about the farm program or welfare for farmers and all this different things. But most people don't take the time to actually try and understand why those things are there or what they're about. So it's, I always jump at the chance to try and explain to people. So oh, we if they want to learn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause farming's not taught about like talked about in school, at least where I went to school, you know, um, with being in Southern California, no one was talking about farms, yeah. even though I'm surrounded by farmland and I'm know? from the yeah. garden state. Come on. It's the garden state. Farms have gardens. Uh, uh, wouldn't that be the farm state? <laughs> wouldn't that be the farm? There are a lot of South Jersey is a lot of farms. You'd be very surprised. A lot of people when they're driving through, they're always like, I went through all this farm. I think it was Pennsylvania. And then I got to the, and I was like, no, that's half of New Jersey. That's the part that I don't really consider to be New Jersey, but that's okay. Um, but what I was going to say is you, when you were growing up, you described the way Luke is following you around, wants to know about it. Like he, if you grew up on a farm, how do you relate to your son having being interested now when you talk to your dad is your dad like yeah you were like that until you found the nintendo or you know what i mean like how how do you see that relation generationally because so much like you said about farming is because of the capital investment and the infrastructure it takes to actually complete the job not only that but the connections the understanding the you know yeah. it's a it's a whole it's a different society it's a subculture that you have and, to kind of be born into you know you must want to pass this on how do you think about that well it, that's it's a it's a tricky tricky conversation or not conversation it's a tricky thing to wrap my head around because like I said when I was I don't th- I haven't actually asked my dad or my mom if I was like that the same way he is now. I mean, I know I did a little bit, but I don't remember him quite being like that. But at the same time, at that time, in that time, when I grew up, the 1980s were a, really a shit show for farming. I mean, 
every there was no money in farming there was i mean it was bad like really really bad or most of the farms went out of business and so we didn't have a lot of it wasn't like we weren't going to the swimming pool every day and we weren't going to or we weren't going there i mean we never had a nintendo never had cable tv none of that stuff because we just there wasn't a lot of extra cash at that time for it and my family so i was on the farm all the time and there was one of my cousins who my dad was my dad's partners was his was partners with his dad lived about a quarter of a mile away. So we would bike back and forth to each other's house and we would play out in our, I don't know. Do you guys know what groves are? Have you heard the term grove? Yeah. Only in garden, okay, yeah, like, garden grove. We would like build tree houses out in the groves and build forts and stuff. And I mean, that was all of our summers. So I don't remember doing a lot of farming stuff. And I would, like I said, I was never really that interested in it where I think Luke now, I think part of it is that he's got so many of these other outlets. Like when he goes to daycare and he spends time or, or, or he goes to his, um, goes and does stuff at the library or goes and does, like he, this morning had swimming lessons. A lot of that stuff I wasn't doing as much of. So I think by him being out of the house more, it makes it, or being off the farm more, it yeah. makes him want to do more on the ah, farm. Cause Claire has, because your wife had a different experience and yeah. she brings more of that mentality of the Metro mom of like, we have activities to do, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So did both your parents come up on farms? Um, my, my dad, well, yeah, my dad is living in the same house he grew up in. He bought that house from my wow. grandparents. Okay. The, the house itself, when they did some remodeling here, 15, 20 years ago, they found some letters and some like mail that was stuck in between the, behind the plaster and the walls that was from like 1902. That's awesome, so I mean that that house. Yeah. I'm never living in that house ever because it's <laughs> way too old, and I don't feel like doing a repair job all the time. But but I mean, and so and yeah, like I said, Luke gets a different perspective just because he still gets that city thing. I mean, we're still going. Uh, we still go up to the up to the cities to go to aquariums and zoos and all that. Claire likes to have yeah. have so he has a more well. A lot of other kids that are his age around here, I know, don't quite have it the same as that. Yeah. And, and also just things like YouTube and there's different things like Nat, Nat Geo and things like that, where he can get a different education that I just, you couldn't get here when I was that age. So he's got a much broader palette than I ever did. And at, at four than I probably did at 15. And when you say you couldn't get here, cause you really are talking about a uh, growth in technology. I mean, you know, how many years ago you couldn't get a cable line out there? You'd ha- or if you get a dish, the satellite isn't even correct alignment. We st- we know? still like- can't we still can't get a cable line here. Okay, this, yeah. this is still all the, they are just now to, like since the pandemic started. There's you maybe have seen stories in the news every once in a while about one of those big COVID relief bills is supposed to have a couple billion earmarked for rural internet access. Yes, yeah. And some of that stuff is supposed to be coming here so we can actually get uh, fiber optics out here that's part of why my internet will cut in and out all the time because it's technically a wireless signal with a little antenna on my roof that is hooked into our router, which is, it's better than what it was, but it's still garbage. Right. Yeah. But, and that's the other thing interesting about farming that most people also don't think of is the technology has, has turned farming into something like our, our, our corn planter runs with an iPad and the iPad will tell us when something is wrong with the planter to stop. Everything is, we can look at, everything is completely mapped, like on, on top, overlaid on Google Maps. Yeah. We can see how many seeds were put in each little square foot of the field, wow. how much fertilizer was put on, how much chemical was put on. It's, we have, when I, when I first started back in 
whatever, what did I say? 2001, we had four full-time guys all year round. Now my dad and I do 90% of it with one other guy. Whoa. And we have more acres than we did then. Wow. That's so, so... the efficiencies and the, that's hundred percent by technology that has done that. That's so amazing, man. I think about, you know, what's kind of cool, dude, is you see the way like the macro and micro of things. Like when you were talking about being able to pinpoint this, like each d- seed on a map and like geolocate mm-hmm. things. Okay. This is located how, how the ground rises and falls, how much moisture falls there. Like all these crazy things you can do. It does. When I think about what I, you know, have been obsessed with, which is TV and shit. Then this is like, that's how you can manipulate. Oh, I'm so obsessed with that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like just, I always think how you do the same thing. It's like every dot that we're looking at is just something. It's just like data, putting data mm-hmm. together, collating things, pattern recognition, you know, putting that into a farm. I find that to be fascinating. But see, I think that's cool the way you said that, that you think Luke might have a little bit more of an interest because he has other options. And maybe those other options gives him an appreciation for what he has. And I, I think that was a big part for me because one of the big things when you grow up, at least in the 80s and 90s when I grew up, a big part of growing up on the farm was, so when are you going to take over the farm? I mean, every kid that lived on a farm around here gets that all the time. And when you have that, it's like anybody else that's in a profession that you get, especially in a family-owned business of any kind, you get – it's pretty rare when I've talked to people that haven't got that pressure. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. I mean, you could be an actor and they get pressured to go into acting. I mean, right. it's, and that's definitely what, and, and there's always that thing about the legacy and the farming legacy. And like you said, with the close to a hundred years in my farm, do I want to be the one that lets the farm go? I mean, be the last one of a hundred years. So, I mean, which if farming got bad, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, for a while I, I was kind of like always worried about that and uh, I've, I've kind of attempt, uh, adapted the mentality of, well, if it's the end, it's the end. And it was a good run. I mean, not, not that I'm thinking that's going to ha- happen anytime soon, but if it does, it does. Cause farming is extremely volatile too. So. Yeah. I mean, with what's happening with climate change, who knows? I mean, I've just noticed in our past couple of year, uh, summers that it's been way hotter, way oh, drier. Yeah. And I yeah. know when you're depending on seasons and cycles to be correct for growing crops. Like, man, if, mm-hmm. if a couple of those things get shortened by a couple of weeks, I'm sure it's got devastating effects. Yeah. Well, and the, that's a, that uh, just for an example, this year when we normally, we um, can say our crop insurance won't allow us to plant before April 15th, usually. Hmm. So you normally we start, try to start in April 15th. This year we started around that time and finished by May 2nd. Two years ago, we didn't finish planting until June 15th because it was, it was, it rained every day. Oh, and it, rained, so it would rain like an inch every day. And, and oh, so, man. and if, if, if you if think more about that, like the seed that we buy, the seed all has a certain maturity. So right. you try and plant seed that will get ready. You, you say it has a hundred day maturity or 98 days or 105. You want to make sure that by the time it gets to, by the time it gets to uh, harvest time, it's, it's fully mature so you can harvest it. If it doesn't, if you don't plant it until July and it's a hundred day, well, you can't harvest it in December because the crop will freeze before it gets matured. Right. So you have to take all of those things into effect that, I mean, it's, there's so many other like agronomy things that you have to know and be aware of. And it's, 
so that yeah the climate thing is crazy because we had we had two years in a row we were planning all the way into june and this year we were a full month and a half earlier Wow. So just those, I mean, trying to plan for those kind of things with Mother Nature, that's exactly, you're, you're right on that. The climate change thing, no matter what's happening, it's different now. And yeah. it's so unpredictable and so much more extreme, at least here, where it's like I said, it's 95 degrees here. This is normally isn't 90. Normally in the middle, beginning of June, it's 80 here. This is 15, 20 degrees hotter than normal here. Right. Yeah. At the same time, last year at this time, or two years ago at this time, it was like 55 degrees at this time of the year. So it's. It, that unpredictability is is pretty insane. Yeah, it, that's one of the biggest stressors of being a farmer is the mother nature. <laughs> right. So. What do you? I mean, what, uh, the only other option is to grow indoor, and you obviously can't grow corn at that scale indoors. Yeah, yeah. Not and there is there is quite a few people that are starting to do some of that here because the the uh, like as big as we are, like I said, we're probably we're in the middle, maybe in the maybe kind of near the top of the middle size mm-hmm. but the big ones are just getting bigger and bigger and bitter bigger and it's hard to comp- it's just like it is with any business whether you're walmart or amazon pushing out smaller guys and the farther we fall behind a lot of the guys that are falling way behind have done things like converted old barns into nurseries and then they'll make specialty spices or specialty crops like um like groceries crops mm-hmm. like sweet corn or tomatoes or whatever what have you that they will convert old barns into doing that and indoor growing and stuff. So there is a kind of a move to that, but you also, I mean, here you've got, we've got some of the best soil in the world for growing. So you don't, you don't want to waste the soil either. Right. So right. it's a, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance. So say weed gets legalized in Minnesota. Do you take half of the farm and grow cannabis? Well, it, it is legal to grow hemp here. Oh, okay. Hemp was ju- hemp was just legalized here to grow two or three years ago. So then that means and you could do few- like CBD, right? What's that? So then you could do CBD with hemp, or is, does hemp not produce CBD? Well, that's the that's the tricky part about growing hemp here is that if you have what's the what is what I can't think of what the, what it's called THC TH- yeah. TH- and cannabinoids that are in yeah it, right yeah so they measure you, it probably when you take your stuff to the yeah the hemp processor. They test every single load, and right. if you're if it rates too high on that, it gets rejected, and you no insurance won't cover it or anything. Right. Yeah. So it's extremely risky right now to even do anything yeah. because if you the the and the input in order to buy I I don't remember what the I've talked to one guy that does it not too far away from here, and I can't remember what the seed cost was, but it was like exponentially more than the cost for the corn. So if and the corn can get insured and the beans can get insured, so if Mother Nature you can at least get most of your money back just like an insurance claim. Right. But if you lose it on the hemp, it's, it's almost impossible to insure it. So it's very, there's a few guys that are trying to, cause you, it, if it works, you get paid huge. I mean, way more than what corn right. is worth, Right. but it's a much more higher risk. So yeah. it, it could, and it, it was grown here a long time ago. Some of our, one of our farms we have or that we rent every once in a while, there'll be some wild hemp that'll pop up. But the same thing, if we see it, we have to spray it and kill it because yeah. with our, with the USDA and I mean, we have to report all of, everything we grow. We have to report to the USDA in order to be eligible for farm programs and all that stuff. And yeah. any, and they do spot checks. If any of that stuff gets found on your farm, you're in deep shit yeah, without, without having the proper licenses and all that stuff. Right. So it, it's a crazy, crazy world. <laughs> yeah. It's a little unfortunate because of all those regulations, it makes it really hard for the small farmer to even have success. I mean, and that's something that's happening out here in Oregon is 
we, mm-hmm. I think we had a lot of small farms producing a bunch of cannabis, which d- drove the market price way down. And then all these big farms came in and set up these huge shops that now can sell weed at, you know, 50 bucks an ounce and still make a profit because they've got, you know, just tons of it. But the yeah. small farmer can't produce that way. Like you couldn't, you couldn't take that risk right now with your farm to go to cannabis because of these really tight regulations that only someone with a bunch of money could take those yep. chances or, you know, and yeah. it's just like, it's really unfortunate that the small wow. guy always kind of gets pushed out of any, any really yeah. any farming situation, yeah. right? I mean, when it eventually the middleman or the, the medium farms are going to get pushed out by the big farms because yeah. they're obviously spreading, right? Yep. And I mean, there, there's been times in the past, I think, where the government has stepped in and said, okay, you can, you can only, you, like, they'll cap the acres or they'll cap something. So you, you have to, you can only be so big, but mm. some of those companies are so big now that I don't know if they, I don't know, they've got so many high powered lobbyists and everything right. else, and they donate so much money to the right people that I don't, I don't know. I mean, long, long term, like 20, 30, 40 years, it could get. I mean, even Cargill might own everything or Monsanto or all these other huge yeah. companies that are farming their own stuff now. Right. Yeah. So and, then, and then we'll be know, farming that, on the moon. That's, a, that's an even bigger macro picture that I'm not trying to yeah. think of at this point. Hopefully when all that happens, I'll, I'll be retired and Luke will be off doing something else. Yeah. If well, that's the case. Well, hopefully it's like Luke's great grandchildren that are dealing or, with that. Yeah. Right? Let's, yeah. let's push it a little right. bit farther. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just kick it down the road. Kick the can down the road. What, what are your hopes there? And, you know, yeah, to get, get back to that kind of generational thing. Do you want, your son to take this farm over do you want him to continue or do you want him to do what he wants to do or how do you because like i was 100% saying 100 oh, want him to do what he wants to okay, do okay cool yeah that's what because I because there was i didn't get a lot of direct pressure from my parents to do it but there was pressure from everybody else to do it to come back and i i hate that shit i want if he if he wants to go train to be a ballerina fine with me Whatever yep. he wants to do, I am 100%. That's what I want him to do. I want him to be happy with it. I don't want him to feel like he's guilted into becoming a teacher like Claire is or a farmer like me. I want him to do what he wants to do because there's yeah. that, that's one thing in this, in, in my area that I, I don't I mean, I don't know how it is with you guys, but there's such, there's a huge pressure on farm kids to do that around here. Yeah, there th- always has been. I think you were right when you said it's like any industry, right? Like they, the parents always kind of want to push their kids towards what they know because it's what they know. Not yeah. my dad. My dad uh, came up. Well, neither of my dads. One was a furniture salesman. The other was a bartender and worked in restaurants. And they both told me to find something else to do. Well, I think if you, I think if you, <laughs> I think if you enjoy me, it. I went to work at a restaurant, and my dad. I said, Dad. When I was the only time I ever was a waiter for a week in the Short Hills Mall, and I almost knocked over four people holding my first tray. And I said, my dad said, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I'm trying to be a waiter. He said, what the fuck did I tell you? I've been telling you my whole life, your whole life. Get out of the don't get in the liquor industry. Don't be in the bar industry. Don't be in the restaurant industry. It sucks. And, and I say, you know, I'm pretty sure after the last year and a half, my wife will tell Luke, do not get into education. <laughs> so she'll say the same exact thing. It's funny, but it's just to me. See, for me, Andy, when I think about it, the, the catch for me would be the generational thing. That is kind of important to me. You know what I mean? Like, I think I mean, it's like when I look around 
and I see so many things happening in our country, whether they're social movements, like even like Black Lives Matter, things that are connected to heritage and who we are. One of the things that I think a lot of in this country is uh, right now, primarily white people, is we let go of a lot of our heritage, right? Like a lot of our ancestors came to America and they came to the melting pot. And part of the melting pot was to let go of their ethnicity and their mm-hmm. history. And the one of the ways that I've seen America, one of our history is through things like farming or industry, like where you pass it on to your, you know, your kids. Right. Yeah. And I could see if I just think like if there would be something within me if i was like a farmer of kind of even though i want my son to do whatever he wants there would i think i would i feel like i would fall victim to being like you can do whatever you want but you better learn to fucking farm because this might be your farm kid (laughs) i mean like i'd still that kind of longevity and i guess it's something that i like I kind of cherish in my own life, you know, I'm getting my Irish mm-hmm. citizenship. I think that's important. I think heritage and the ones who came before you, the struggles they had, the things they learned are really important. It doesn't have to yep. be connected to the land, but I could see with your son. I mean, that must be something you think about. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't thought about it a lot yet. I'm sure I will. When my dad finally fully retires, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll think about it more then. Yeah. But I mean, he's, and I mean, he's, he's kind of, I don't want to say semi-retired now, but he's still, he still is in an integral part of the business. So I think when he's completely out of it, I'll probably think more about it. But the other thing that um, is different, well, not different, but the other way that there, there always will be at least some connection because like one thing I will tell him, and it's something that a lot of people have done around here. Like I had mentioned earlier to most of the land we, we rent. Well, a lot of it, we, I rent, I've rent quite a bit from family members who, one of the things that if you grow up around here, everybody is, you're always taught never sell the land ever. You can rent it. You don't need to farm it, but never sell it. Cause land has always appreciated in value around. Here. I mean, right. besides that little rough time in the eighties, the land is always appreciated in value and it always, it will eventually, you always have to pay heavy taxes on it, but you always, when you rent it out, you can always at least make some money on it. Right. So you, we would at least have, I mean, I think we have, I don't remember, we have a couple hundred acres that are in our family and that stuff, I would definitely say, don't sell it. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to live on it, but you can at least have it here and rent it. Even if you want to live in Minneapolis or Dallas, Texas, or LA or wherever you want to go, you could at least have that. You So you still have at least some connection to it. Yeah. So right. I mean, that's not the same as farming it. It's far from it, but you at least have some some kind of connection to it. I guess yeah. that's that's part of what my hope is. Anyways, that I guess as far as that would go, I would definitely say you need to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm at least at this point in my mind, I'm, I don't want to push it on him. Yeah. Right. But you know, I was just thinking the difference between your kid growing up and my kid growing up is your kids growing up like in an industry. Like he is like surrounded by the farm. That's, that's what he does. And I'm sure that's like when he gets older, that's what half of his friends are going to talk about is stuff related to the farm. So it's not like he grew up in the city and it's like, now I got to take over dad's farm. Like he's constantly around it. So he knows what it's like. So making that decision 
it's like it is it's always going to be part of him whether he does it or not right yeah where like that's definitely true i i kind of wanted that for my kids you know i'm a photographer i wanted them to grow up in the studio until they started to walk around and then i'm like they're gonna fucking break everything in my studio (laughs) so now they don't really so now i'm waiting until they're like you know maybe 10 nine to kind of bring them into the studio where I know that they can be gentle and not mess everything up. But that means that they're not spending those early years in the studio and like being like, this is it. So I don't think my kids are going to be photographers. You know, I, I I don't think that they're growing up in it the same way to have that same attachment, but who knows, you know? Um, Well, and what I would, what I'll say about that, because I kind of can have a similar story to that actually is because like a lot of the stuff that we have is, extremely especially the computerized stuff is extremely expensive equipment just like your camera stuff where like they'll have a there'll be a monitor inside the tractor that'll tell you what the implement is doing i mean those are fifteen hundred two thousand dollar monitors and when luke comes out and rides he wants to play with the monitor and he tries to hang on it and all this other shit so (laughs) what i've started doing is i'll be like okay i am going to like i'll talk to my wife and or my dad or whoever's or my grandma or my grandma his grandma whoever's watching him at the time and say okay bring luke out for half an hour I'll plan on him. I'll plan on me not getting jack shit done for that half an hour. Right. And just kind of let him hang out there and just kind of show him what everything does. He's like, yeah, what does this button do? What does that button? And I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to get anything done. This is going to be the least productive thing, but that half an hour for him completely satisfies his urge. It gets him in the experience. But I, I know what you're saying about the expensive equipment because we have a ton of that stuff. I mean, yeah. just like a, a bag of seed, like the seed we put in, is it comes in like in a kind of like a bag of softener salt. It's kind of the size of those seed bags. It's 300 bucks for one of those bags of seed. So he wants to climb all over those things and he wants to try and drive the forklift and all this other shit that would, I mean, so he could, he could do a lot of damage really yeah, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Or so I've, just, I've kind of done that thing where I'm like, I wanted to experience it, but I, yeah. I will just do that. All right. I'm not going to get anything done for this hour while we do this. That's right? kind of, so That's I so, completely get what you're saying though. But like the, the, the land is around him. He yeah. sees it every day. Yeah, oh yeah, he can't he's not definitely immersed in it. it. Right. And like, it's like my studio. If, I mean, maybe if my studio is in my backyard, you know, or something yeah. like that. And the kids saw it every day and saw me there every day. But hey, that's what part of this room is here, JD, this garage that I made. I the way I think about it is my father started his own business, Bartender Magazine, and I started writing for it when I was 12. So I had my first article published when I was like 11 or 12. <laughs> And I continued, I wrote for his magazine when I was in high school, college. I mean, dude, I wrote like eight page, uh, I don't even have it anymore, like a, a historical perspective on prohibition and like all this crazy shit. I was wondering, like, what were you writing, like cocktail recipes? Like, what is a twelve-year-old adding to the liquor? I did cocktail recipes. I did jokes. I did historical pieces. I did research pieces. Like I said, the biggest one I did was about prohibition. Um, I did, I did one where we traced. uh, I found a cocktail, and I'm actually one of the only people. It's so shitty. That I don't really care. This is what I'm saying. It's like my dad. This was my dad's thing, but I, re- I I cared about the writing. But that's what gets to the point of what I'm saying is, I feel like the I like a- Andy's feeling because it's like what he's passing on 
is like an ethos of the land of the lifestyle of a way of, of, of looking at things, you know? And I feel like that's since I can't pass something like that on to my son, what I pass on is like, I mean, land I pass on like ideas like this room is like a creative space. You know what I'm saying? JD? Like, I think you did it by making the dirt track in the back of your house. Your pump track. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's like opportunity. Yeah, I'm just creating. I'm trying to create. But that's create. That's creativity, right? right? And yeah. so I think, like, for me, it's more so passing on the idea to my son that this is a possibility in your life. You can manipulate the environment. You can create something that you love and that you enjoy and that you can share with friends and family. You know what I mean? So I know it's not the same thing. But I think that's why I like what you're saying, Andy, is you're not trying to for and I can see him on camera. What's up, dude? Oh, my God. What a cutie. And uh, he's a little camera shy right now. Oh, That's OK. He's <laughs> doing enough. his thing, man. He's yeah. found something to shake. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's that same kind of thing. It's really about the spirit of it. And it sounds to me, Andy, like that's what your dad did. And that's why you're on a farm, because if he had shoved it down your throat your whole life, you probably wouldn't even be there. Yeah, that is 100% true. And that, I mean, that's kind of what I kind of feel like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know that my son is going to be a filmmaker or a writer or an artist or I don't really care. He could be a computer pro. He could, you know, be a line cook. But as long as he takes, finds the art in it, I'm, I think I've done my job of kind of passing that on. Because mm-hmm. when I look at my family, like, we're like a, you know, and I look at my father and my grandfather and my mother's father, even we, they were all like seekers and storytellers and stuff like that. So it's more like mm-hmm. an idea rather than like they had a farm or they were policemen or they were, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though a lot of them were firemen, they're freaking Irish people. This is what they do. <laughs> they fight fires, they drink, and they give people right. tickets. Yeah, they beat, get in fights. Any job where you could accidentally punch somebody, an Irishman will get into. Mm-hmm. But that's cool. So, um, I don't know. We, we've been chatting here for about an hour now. One question I did want to get into. Well, oh, there he goes. See you, buddy. Um, I want to ask you about safety and how you deal with what kind of different things you see on a farm as far as even like animals, life and death, you know, um, just nature, how you have kind of folded that into your parenting. Oh, so are Hmm. you like asking him, are are you allowing risks or yeah you, yeah because you would think like i mean you yeah know. are you a billy parent or are you a jd parent? yeah i think he's more of a jd parent <laughs> well let's see uh the animal stuff how do i put i mean so i i spent probably 10 years working with animals every day yeah and i kind of got I, I got out of that so i mean he doesn't we've got a lot of we've got a lot of close neighbors that are within a mile here that kind of have little hobby farms besides with their other stuff. So one, I mean, one of them has chickens and 
cows and horses and stuff like that. So he gets exposed to all those kind of things. But the biggest, I guess the biggest animal, I mean, we've got a dog and that kind of, but that's a very house dog, not a farm dog. Not something that's outside all the time. So you got out of the uh, hogs before he had to deal with like, Hey, you're going to meet this hog and you love it. And you call it Charlie, but we got to kill it next week. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, no bait. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? That's, that nature You cut out stuff. a little bit, so I didn't catch all of it the yeah. first time. Okay, that stuff we have, we haven't, um, he hasn't been exposed to a lot of that stuff yet. So, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how to, there's a lot of, we, there's just a lot, he's in that age of asking a lot of questions about death and people dying and that. So that's yeah. a big, big thing. And we've had a lot of, a lot of people that we've known recently have passed away unexpectedly, or we've had to, we've had a lot. I mean, he's been going to way too many funerals for a young kid. Mm-hmm. So he's had that Sorry, experience, no. but uh, I can't plug it in. I don't have another outlet for that. <laughs> oh yeah. He's so cute. Hang on just one second. I got to okay. load up a movie for him. I heard him say that. What, what's said- the movie? What are we watching? What are we going to watch? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, this podcast is going to go for another you, two you hours. Want, I'm, I'm down. Miles, or <laughs> do you want to watch the Spider-Man? Can we watch Spider-Man with him? Yeah. Do y'all eat popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They've got the corn. Of popcorn. We don't grow much of it, but my mom grows a little bit. But Let's see. That's here. so funny. Oops. Oops. All right, Andy's getting it in. What do we? What can we talk about so I don't have to edit this part out, JD? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'll be just. That's a okay, second. pal. That's okay. Well, what I'm excited to hear uh, what Andy has to say about about risks. I think so. I feel far. like some of that machinery is yes. so big and crazy that yes. there's got to be risks all over that house. But I think what we've learned so oh, far is- too. Did you say safety? Is that one of the things you said? Yeah, safety. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I missed that word. Okay, that I can talk a lot. I I have a lot of stuff about that. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. It's a whole different lifestyle. Like when I, if I, if my son gets up in the morning, okay, and I'm not awake, say I'm not awake, which often happens because I stay up really late. Or say my wife is, say he gets up before us at 5 a.m. and walks out of his door. I don't have to worry that he's going to, you know, walk down the street into a cornfield and I won't be able to find him for six hours or, you know what I mean? Or climb onto a tractor and start it and go into a freaking ditch or so how do you mitigate your safety concerns with wanting him to know uh, about the farm and all that? That's what I mean is like when I think farm, Andy, I think like man versus nature shit, you know, like death, life cycle. (laughs) All that hard yep. shit. You like metal fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, to give, I, I know, uh, I know you've seen a lot of pictures, but to give yeah. JD a little bit of an idea, like our, I looked up some of the numbers just so I could get a size scale. Like our combine is about fifteen feet tall, and it weighs about thirty five thousand pounds. So I mean, it's a we're talking a huge, huge, huge yep. equipment here. It's like our, a moving our biggest house. tractor is like a five hundred horsepower tractor. I mean, it's, these are, it's really large equipment yeah. and it's steel. So it, I mean, there's no give to anything. You, you take on one of those things, you die. Yeah. So basically what we started to do, as soon as Luke started to walk, I basically said, 
if you see a tractor moving or you hear a tractor, you run to the closest building you can or you find an adult and you don't don't go anywhere near that thing unless you have a unless you have me or mom or grandpa or grandma or one of our hired hands with you. So, I mean, he's gotten really good about that. So if he hears a tractor or if he sees one and I mean, he's got that amazing Spider-Man vision when you're that young where you see and hear everything. Yeah. So he'll so like even it's to the point now where if he even hears a tractor drive in, he will he'll say, Hey, there's a tractor here. Or there's so he's I we've taught him from since he could understand that safety is the first and you could get hurt. Yeah. And so that's I mean, it's just something you'd every time he came out, that was what I would say. I was like, you can't you just have to be careful. And I, I, I would never yell at him for doing it. I just kind of would, it was, I kind of made it a way of life for him. Just like anything else, just like saying, please. And thank you. Mm-hmm. You say you, if there's a tractor coming or a truck or semi truck or whatever we have out in the field to stay away or make sure you have an adult with you. And as far as like getting lost in a cornfield or those kind of things, we haven't on my, on this, the farm that, or the little piece of ground I live on now, we've only had soybeans around us the last year or two. So there, since he's been tall enough to walk, there hasn't been anything. There hasn't been any eight foot corn socks around. So he had, this will be the first year we've had corn since he's been old enough to be mobile. So that's going to be a, that'll actually be a a big conversation this, this, uh, this summer. But the thing I always tell people is if you ever get lost in a cornfield, you just walk, follow the row. They're planted in straight rows. Eventually you're going to hit the edge of the field. Mm, I use ways to get out of (laughs) cornfields. I just open up my phone. I go to Waze. I put in my destination, and then it tells me yeah. how many how many stocks well, to walk past, and what my this, and then I can send my my report to my parents. Like, I'll be there in twenty five stocks. It's it's I a like great that. app. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Here here's the shitty part about the bad part about that though. A lot of the areas we farm in, there is no cell service, oh, so you shit. couldn't even use your GPS to get out. <sighs> I'd be dead. <laughs> Some of the spots we farm, I mean. Probably 90% of what we farm is not like that, but there's a few spots where, I mean, it is the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's, you could, you could do all whatever you wanted to out there and nobody would ever, I mean, it's, it's crazy more bad doesn't happen out here because there's so many isolated areas that, and with fewer and fewer people farming, that means fewer farmhouses are out here, Mm -hmm. fewer, like there's actually been a huge meth problem in this county in over the last 10 years, because a lot of the meth cookers will go and find these old abandoned farm places that are five miles or 10 miles from any town and surrounded by cornfields. So yeah. all summer long, you can do whatever you want and nobody even knows it's there. Right. Wow. Wild. Wild. Well, so, okay. So you, you, you keep talking about all these different lands. So that means that you're like corn rows aren't all connected for this whole area. You've got like, Oh yeah. You've got a land here. Yeah, you've got land over there. So you're constantly traveling. You're almost like traveling to your multiple farms for your crops. Yeah. Okay. yeah that's uh that's a good, like, like when I said before that the amount of acres we farm is roughly two and a half times the size of central park. It's not all one big area. Got it's it. spread out all over the County. Got it. So like there's, I think our biggest chunk that we farm is like 320 acres, but there's other ones that are 60 acres and some that are 10 acres and some that are 200 acres. So it's, we're all like the, I'm trying to say the farthest one away from our, we've got a couple that are probably eight or nine miles away from our farm place. So when you're taking all kinds of equipment over there that drives 20 miles an hour, it takes you half the day just to transport. That's what I was going to say, dude, because you have to think it's, 
So you can't just yeah. leave stuff there. You don't have like, well, this one's going to stay here because it takes us four days to drive it over here. Like you, you're constantly. Sometimes we do. We used to do a lot more of that. And then now that the, like I say the, the crime in this County has gotten worse in the last 10 years mm. and you don't want to leave a tractor that's worth that kind of money sitting out over like there. And luckily we don't have an issue because we don't, we try to have a good relationship with everybody. And there's another whole side to farming where, a lot of the big guys will come in and get a bad reputation because they'll go in and like say to somebody that's been renting a piece of ground for 40 years from a different family, the big farmer will come in and they can afford to pay more. Right. They'll come in and say, I'll pay you 20% more for rent this year if I can have it for three years. And they'll, they'll take, they'll take land out from underneath other people that have been farming it for 30 years yeah. or 40 years. So those people obviously get a really bad reputation. Well, it's been known to happen when people have left equipment out where, They'll come in there and all the oil will be drained out in the morning or tires slashed or sand poured into the gas tank. Locals or, only. So, I mean, it's like anywhere else when, when yeah. shit happens, people yeah. retaliate. That, that, so, that makes me think of like surfing down in Southern California and, or even like, I guess up here in Oregon, I've heard this story about Seaside. Uh, they were trying to throw a pro contest in Seaside and all the Seaside locals went to the hotel of the pro surfers and poured sugar in all the gas tanks of the cars. So none of the pros could drive to the contest as a kind of like locals yep, only don't come surf our wave. Yeah. And so it sounds that, like the people that in that area ha- are kind of like, hey, you're going to fuck with our people. We're going to come fuck up your shit. That's kind of kind of wild. Yeah. yeah and I mean, it doesn't. That does, it doesn't happen as much as it used to because no, most of those people that are the a-holes that are driving around, that the ones that are doing things that are legal but not exactly neighborly. Right, Most of those right. people have realized if they're going to do that, they need better get their crap home every night and they better not. <laughs> right. and I, I'm, that doesn't happen. Like I said, that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And it's like anywhere else where the big the big guys are the villains almost always. And always, yeah. there's a reason they're big because they do practices that while legal are not entirely moral or ethical, I guess right. is the, maybe the best way to put it. Can't have a Luckily, my dad and I don't operate that. We're not kill or be killed. We're just kind of if, if something comes along to us, we've had a few people come over the years just knock on our door and say, hey, I'm getting out. Do you guys want to rent some? So we, cool. we've got a good reputation. So it's, I'm not, we're not too worried That's about good. that, but you never know. And then plus with the drug element here, you, sometimes with some of that stuff, you never know what's going to – the hardcore drug element, I should right. say. I mean, the, the meth thing is out of control in a few spots in this county. So it's a, that can cool. get a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I know how it is, man. You know, in, out in Jersey – Sometimes what would happen is if somebody tried to open a pizza shop too close, then they would end up putting like way extra Parmesan on the pizza and just like totally ruin the pizza. You know, <laughs> well, that was a joke. That was good. Billy. That was good. <laughs> I tried. It was late. I had been thinking of that for a while. <laughs> he hasn't I, paid attention to the mind. last 20 minutes of just our conversation. He's like, going to tell this joke. Yeah. Gonna no, tell but this that's joke. crazy, this man, because it gets to me to think this. So you're going to all these different places. As soon as you said, the first thing I thought of is how do you get the equipment there? And so you have the logistics of all of that. So mm-hmm. getting back to Luke, can does he? do you have neighbors that he can play with? Like you said, you used to ride your bike to your cousins. Or like yeah. you're on a little plot, but that, that means you might have a neighbor that he could go to. Or like how do you have a neighborhood do you drive a lot to see other kids? How do you deal with that as a parent? Well, that's, excuse me. That's part of why he still 
one of the reasons why we insist on him going to daycare because there's not a, our neighbors are all fairly close. I mean, they're within walking distance or bicycle distance, but the, the closest ones to his age are four or five years older than he is. So there's not a lot of, that was one of the big things with daycare for us is that we're so isolated out here. I mean, that's not extremely isolated, but isolated enough that he needs social. I mean, he needs it. Right. I mean, that's, I've, I've seen what happens when kids don't get socialization. I've got some, people that I know in my life that have that with their kids and it's, it's ugly. So I know to not do that. So that's one of the reasons why we, um, where Claire teaches, it's probably a 20 minute drive from here. So she happened to one of the people who used to be a paraprofessional in her class started a daycare. So Claire already knew her from teaching. So it's kind of a, a daycare slash preschool at the same time. And it's only 10 kids. So it's perfect. Sounds like kind of of what we do for social, a lot of the socialization. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And so, as he gets older, um, do you how how old can you drive out there? Five. Uh, it's still. I mean, you can get a, it's called a farmer's <laughs> permit when you're 16. Okay, 16. I thought it was going to be like 14 or yeah. 15, I thought honestly, I thought I thought yeah. single digits for sure. Yeah, I thought it was going to be 14. <laughs> or I was wondering yeah. if he's already dro- no. driving the uh, lawnmower. But you probably will, though. Well, I mean, he might be a little earlier. Dry, you know, it's all on the iPad. I'm pretty and, sure he's good at the iPad. He's like my kid. And yeah. like I say, it's six. It's 16 for a car or a truck. It's there's no real age limit if he wants to take a golf cart or take a like a uh, ATV or a, one of those. So I mean, Ooh, there's other way. And yeah. there's opportunity. Like, the, the town I went to high school in is about three and a half miles in town. So as soon as I got, as soon as my cousin and I got to be, I don't know, ten or eleven, we would ride our bikes into town. Okay. And just ride into town for the day, that, and then we'd okay. hang out with our friends in town, and and then you kind of and drive do that back kind of thing. So home. it's still, yeah, I get, yeah. It. I get yeah. it. That I mean, that's I mean, in many ways, that's equivalent to, you know, um, when we would go to like the town pool or something like that, and it was like four or five miles from my house. Yeah, some days everybody would be on vacation; no one would be in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's what we would do. We would. Yeah. We would drive in to go to the pool or to play our little league baseball games or whatever we would do. Or we would just go like I had a couple of friends who uh, had all the Nintendo games or all the G.I. Joe action figures. So I would drive in there and I'd say, hey, I'm going to Christmas for the day. Yeah. And um, my mom would be, get to be friends with those parents. I mean, this, yeah. so a lot of it's not that different from something you do in a town. Yeah. It's just a I mean, it's it's a little more treacherous because you're out on the high. I mean, you got to be a little more careful driving because it's not you're not driving neighborhood streets. You're driving on a. A somewhat used highway or a gravel road. I mean, you can take gravel roads. We live on a gravel road, so it's 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 some ways are very different. But you have to be more definitely have to be cognizant, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, listen, we're gonna let's wrap this up. We've been going Beautiful. for a little over an hour. I think we've learned so much. I could talk forever. Uh, yeah, I think and, we could. I could learn yeah. so much more. Yeah. I mean, but this is a great start. Maybe we bring you back, Andy, and we can talk more about. Yeah. Love, yeah. Right? Oh yeah, I can. Definitely come anytime, as long as, like I say, it's not a, as long as it's not during harvest or planting time. I'm, right. I'm pretty yes. wide open, so and I love talking about it. So, oh, by the way, there was something else I wanted to say on the podcast because I didn't get a chance before. So, are these parcels of land you work? Because I just always wanted to say the word parcel on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that is what I, I think when I because I had to fill out some paperwork for the USDA today. And I think it does say it either says parcel or land tract. Okay, it might say tract. I like, I like those words. So man. either I don't know why. one, 
Okay, yeah. good. I just want to say parcel because yeah, I usually I use cilantro. I'm not really a parcel. Oh. Kind of well, fan, you know, but... it's a little. It's up to you. I'm you a know? big fan of that too. <laughs> yeah. Got to you know. You maybe should grow that. Um, all right, Andy. Yeah. Thank you so thank much you, for Andy. coming on. You are awesome, yes. brother. It's been great getting to know you and talking to you on this podcast today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. Please hit us up. Two not so rad dads at gmail.com. We want to thank our sponsor, Studio. We're going to record the uh, advertisement as soon as this podcast ends. So we're very excited to record our first advertisement. And do you have anything you want to say, Andy, before we let you go? Uh, no, no, this was fun. And like I said, anytime you guys want to do it again, now that you actually have heard some of this, maybe you'll, you, you can think of other things you want to ask me about at a later date too. That's completely cool. Anytime. I would love to come on again. It's fun. Awesome. awesome. All right. Awesome. Take care, Ando. Yeah. Peace out, Andy. Bye guys. Bye Luke. Bye Luke. <laughs> <laughs> See you buddy. See you later. Take care, pal. That was awesome. That's cool. Very Recording cool. stopped. Nice. Very cool, man. That was awesome, JD. Wait, we didn't say our peace thing at the end. Um. I, oh, we, well. What, what peace thing? We usually go peace. Oh, but, oh <laughs> I, you know what? Today's episode of Two Not-So-Rad Dads is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Studio Headphones, baby. Studio. Yeah, use code DVR to get a 15% discount at studio.com. All the info is in the show notes. Just click the link and head over. Studio's Neo, the new adaptive dual microphone Bluetooth headsets are amazing. You can so good. They're so good, dude. We're going to be using them on every podcast as soon as we get them from now on. We're going to do a review. They're coming in the mail, but we wanted to get this ad up there to tell you to go to studio.com, okay, and use code DVR to get 15% off. They're only 79 bucks, JD. 79 That's such a deal. Yeah. And, it and offers- you get 15% off of that. You get 15% off of that. Neo offers balanced and spacious sound while maintaining dynamic bass thanks to its 10 millimeter driver and two air vents. It also relieves air pressure. And I got to tell you, if you have been listening to DVR Podcast Network, you know that Studio has sponsored a lot of podcast Winterfell episodes, and I always use their Bluetooth headsets. I had the over-the-ear ones. I have the earbuds. My wife uses them when she runs. My son uses them on the iPad. They are high-quality headphones and earbuds. No joke, people. I got a pair for my dog. You, I taped them to her ears. She it's loves amazing. it. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and I just, I take her for, I take her for runs and I play I Eye it. of the Tiger. I love and it. And she just goes bananas in the field. And listen to me, you get five and a half hour play time from just one charge. Okay. So that's like one episode of Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's actually, you know what? You could get in two. 
Really? I thought yeah, you could get in two. Those okay. movies are about two and a half hours oh, each. Okay. okay. You get in both of them. Um, interchangeable wingtips. Uh, like I said, dual microphone technology, IPX4 splash proof protection. So you can keep playing whether you're in the gym or caught in the rain. Can you shower with them? You could shower with them, baby. Beautiful. The rain is the shower. Beautiful. That's just the inside rain. <laughs> it's studio.com. Head over to studio.com. Use code DVR and get 15% off today. Yes.